Welcome to Hearth and Soul. I'm your host, Angela Torres Kukyun. I'm a foodie, food nerd, opera singer, and the food manager and preservation queen at Spoken, a cafe in the Ravenswood neighborhood of Chicago. I have extensive experience in food service, and I think I have this sort of passion that sits within me, and the more I learn, the more I want to share. And people started asking me questions, and the more questions I answered, the more I realized that maybe I should put it down for others that don't know me and can't ask me in person. You're listening to episode seven. Now, before I dig in today, I just want to put a little caveat out there that we are on location at the amazing, incredible new home of our today's guest, Jesse Oliver. Um, And it is like 100 degrees outside, so there is air conditioning in the background. Um, So we will all just have to deal with that sound. It's not something that we can really do anything about. Um, other than perish of heat, and we don't want to do that. So, um, a few, a few bits of housekeeping first. Um, so, look for we had uh, Ian Hozek on um, the last two episodes, talking extensively about spirits. I I hope you guys thought it was as fascinating as I did. Um, but he is going to be writing a blog post for the blog that will pair up with those episodes, and I will try and release them around the same time but if you're listening to this episode and i haven't released it yet it should be out soon so look for it um and then i just want to talk really quick um i made a gluten-free vegan carrot cake well i made cupcakes but um yesterday for a work event um because we i'm gluten-free and then we had some uh employees that are vegan and can i just say i have to go on this little rant because i went out to find vegan butter or butter substitute or whatever it is that they call it and there is not a single brand on the market at least that I could find of the like 12 that I looked at that is not made with the highly highly inflammatory canola oil all of them even the ones that say that say flaxseed oil on the front or that say olive oil on the front their their number one ingredient is canola oil or soy oil, which is also not great, um, except for one one that I found that was soy free, but still was canola oil. So I'm just, I'm a little miffed on behalf of vegans everywhere. I'm a little pissed because a lot of times when someone chooses to become vegan, if it's not for ethical reasons, it's for health reasons. So if they're trying to be healthier and they're trying to not, to only eat plant-based items, why are we feeding them this horrible, terrible inflammation-inducing product? I don't, I don't get it. Especially considering that if you were to make it with something like avocado oil, which also has minimal flavor, like canola oil, then it would be a little more expensive, but I feel like people would be willing to pay for a better product. So that's my little rant. I was just a little standing in this aisle in Mariano's just like looking at the backs of every single brand that they had and just being horrified. And Jesse would like to weigh in. Please I would. Do. I, I was going to interject. Canola sensitivity is actually on the rise. It is. It uh, is. One of my good friends in Denver who I was staying at their house, he cannot uh, eat canola oil or he is like violently ill. Oh, that's terrible. And, like, it's a real thing. And and that's so hard because every... And working in the restaurant industry, 
even we use it. Although yeah. I have I have managed to cut our usage of it way down, but it's used because it has no flavor. Right. But it has no flavor and because it's cheap. and it's cheap, really cheap. But it has no flavor because of the ridiculous amounts of processing and bleaching and stripping that it goes through. Right. In order to make it a flavorless oil. Also, I mean, what is the point of eating food with no flavor? Right? Right? I always I always find that such a funny endeavor in general. Like, the point of food is to be flavorful. Is to taste it. Yes. Right. Which is, I mean, I'm not vegan, so I will cook things in butter before I'll use canola oil. I'll cook things in bacon fat before I'll use canola oil. Right. I mean... I would do that anyway. But, I mean, point being that, you know, there are people out there who are really trying to do what's best for their bodies by sticking to a plant-based diet. Or they're trying to do what they feel is best for the planet by sticking to an all-plant-based diet. And yet, this is this is what they have to offer them. Right. I'd also be interested in the amount of processing that canola, canola oil has to go through, what the, like earth components are to that do you know what i mean oh like, oh yeah like, yeah, yeah 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 i mean it can't be good no it can't be an environmentally sustainable substance oh not at all and I, there is a i haven't uh watched it i will find it and try and post it on the blog at some point um and i'll send it to you if i find it jesse but there's a little video that was made about the making of canola oil from start to finish and it's not like there's no bias on any side it's just like this is how it's done yeah. period end of story um, and apparently it's really, really gross. Like it's really, it just will put the fear of God into you. As, if that's something that you have eaten your whole life and not really known any better. Right. And most people don't. But in and my mind. most people have, right? And, because yeah. we're of a generation that grew up with a lot of processed foods. Oh, absolutely. We've all had canola oil whether yeah. we wanted to or not. And I we've mean, all had soy lecithin whether we've wanted to Exactly, or not. Yeah. exactly. You go to the grocery store to buy mayonnaise, and even if there's only a handful of ingredients, the number one is going to be canola oil. Mm -hmm. Unless you're making that mayonnaise at home yourself out of olive oil or right. avocado oil or whatever. I mean, there's a few brands now that are starting to... Pri the Primal brand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I just was like... Even, I think what I purchased was Earth Balance, and I appreciated that they did have a version that was soy-free, because soy is also, allergies and intolerances to soy are on the rise as well, but it was still, like, canola oil was the basis of it, and I personally could taste it in my frosting, was what I used it for. No one else could taste it, and that was, you know, and people enjoyed it, and that was great, but it just was like, and it's still not cheap. It's still, like five dollars or more for a little tub right like, like a little you know well and i'm sure like part of it is the color effect right like because if you had used avocado and powdered sugar it probably would have tasted delicious probably and it right? would have been awkwardly green yeah exactly yeah. exactly yeah. and people yeah. like their brains just can't buy into right. that yeah. yeah yeah that i mean i and i thought about doing like a cashew type you know to mimic like cream cheese but I didn't have the time to soak the find cashews. the cashews yeah. and soak them and all of that jazz. So next time I will try that, though, because I just can't get behind feeding people canola oil if I can avoid it. And I don't think that people trying to be either trying to be healthier themselves or trying to, you know, do good to the planet. I don't think they that should be their only option. I just don't. Um, it irritates me. <laughs> anyway, um, so folks out there who have noticed 
Um, I didn't do the wine report last week, and unfortunately we won't be doing it this time either because, well, I forgot the wine. As I said, we're, we're on location and I've been busy this weekend and I just, I just plum forgot it. It's in my fridge. Um, so we won't be doing a wine report today, but I feel like my little rant about canola oil probably was long enough to fill in for that. Um, so now we've already heard from Jessie. Um, Jessie is our guest today. She is going to be the host of a new podcast called Fat Chat. And now before um, we dig into talking about that, it may not be launched yet when this episode airs, but make sure that you're following Scopy Magazine um, because they will likely announce it when it's about to launch mm -hmm. um, and advertise it. And um, yeah, and then you can follow that as well because I think it's going to be really great. So, Jesse, let's yes. talk about Fat Chat. Let's talk about Fat let's Chat. Let's talk about it. What kind of podcast are you hoping that this is going to be? Uh, it opens up a space for marginalized bodies, particularly fat marginalized bodies. Mm -hmm. It's going to be uh, myself and then Ricky Harris co-hosting. Okay. Uh, and um, just about the place fat bodies hold in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, most people who are fat understand that weird dichotomy of being the biggest person in a room and the least seen person in a room. Mm. And when we talk about uh, intersectional... Uh, policies in social justice, mm -hmm. you can have the most social justice oriented people still not able to comprehend that they are not including marginalized bodies. Right, right. Uh, and so just, uh, we're going to talk about sex and marginalized bodies and, you know, because we're all having it. <laughs> like Truth. Right? Yep. Uh, we're going to talk about, like, just... Basically, uh, opening up discussion and dialogue as fat people about what our experiences are. Awesome. Uh, I know we've talked to uh, casting directors in Chicago who okay. are going to come on and talk about uh, advocacy for casting larger bodies, right? Because, like, yeah. we, particularly plus size women, mm -hmm. make up 67% of women in this country. Mm -hmm. uh, I was talking yesterday with some friends of mine at a park about. Like, I remember very clearly the first time I saw a fat woman on television. Mm -hmm. It was a woman on a commercial for the Radar Institute, which was a weight loss center. Of course. And she was getting uh, a weight loss surgery. And I remember the tagline being, I'm too fat and I can't control my food. And, like, as I... And I, I was a kid, and this right. has stayed with me, right? Right. And as I've aged, I've realized, like... There is not one fat person I know who could not tell you every nutritional fact about every food they put in their body. That's that's very true. Right? Yeah. So, like, this idea that we're selling this image that, like, fat people are just fat and can't control their food. And I don't want to negate that that is a real problem for some people. Yes. But it's not a problem for all of us. Mm -hmm. And it's also, like... Sometimes fat bodies just exist. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. That genetic anomaly has always existed. Yep. And how much damage are we doing to our psyche and our bodies trying to buy into diet culture? Yes. Right? And like disconnecting from that mm -hmm. and owning your body in a healthy way and talking about health and talking about exercise and talking about all of those things as a fat body. Right, right. Because, it, I mean, there's a lot of assumptions made, like you said, that that 
somebody who's larger is not eating well or not. It, I actually had, and this is this was quite a number of years ago, but it was at a, a old job that I worked, um, and there was a girl that worked there with me, and we used to be able to take home, you know, whatever leftover pastries or whatever were left at the end of the night, and she would always load up on a whole bunch of stuff. She had, you know, a boyfriend that she lived with, and he ate a lot of it, and. And then she, like, she would do that a few days in a row, and then she would not, because she'd be like, oh my god, I'm gaining weight, so I need to stop. I would almost never take that stuff home. And mostly because it's just not, like, sweets are not... I eat sweets, you know, we all like to indulge, but it's not a daily thing for me. Right. So, and it never has been, and that's just, my family's not... We like treats, but we don't eat them all the time. Unless there's ice cream in the house, and then, you know, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny that you say that, because I am not a sweets person with the exception of ice cream. Ice cream, right? Ice cream is the one thing I truly love that's, like, sweet. Yes. And I think it's because it's actually fatty. That, probably. Right? Like, that yeah, I'm actually, yeah. like, I, have you read Intuitive Eating? No, I have heard about it, but I haven't oh, read it you yet. You have to read it. Okay. It's, I, it's all about, like, listening to your body mm-hmm. and what it's actually craving, and mm-hmm. I honestly think with ice cream it's not the sugar it's the fat the yeah. like, cold rich fatness of it that yep. like yep. my body wants especially at certain times of the month yep 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 i found myself actually uh i didn't indulge in ice cream this last month but it was cheese it was like all the cheese and i was like why am i eating so i never eat this much oh okay now that's why so clearly my body needs fat and calcium at certain times of the month and that's just the way that it is but so this girl like out of nowhere one night when we're closing she's you know filling up her bag of pastries and she's like Angela you you like never eat these pastries it's like well I do once in a while she's like yeah but you're always talking about all these great things that you make at home and these like dinners that you have with your parents and you eat so healthy like how is it that you're the size that you are and she was trying to like. She oh wasn't god! To Well-intentioned asshole questions are the worst, right? right? And <laughs> I was just like, it, "This is just, you know, this yeah. is just who I am." And I mean, part of it may have something to do with my thyroid disease, and that's just the thing. My metabolism runs slow, but if I were to cut back on more, you know, like let eat less, that would not do me any favors, right? Because I've done it. We've all tried it. We've all been We've there. We've all tried it. Um, and it doesn't. It doesn't do any good. It does right. nothing because you're denying your body fuel um but I just remember thinking like wow how do I I don't know how to answer that right like and this was well before I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease so I've I've learned a lot since then I'm a different person but at that time I was just like yeah it's a good question and like (laughs) how do you explain to someone that they've just asked you an inappropriate question at right? work. Like, at at work. work. I'm like, I'm just trying to do my job. Do, right. do you have to bring up all this emotional shit right now? Like, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and like how that person's saying, I'm gaining weight, like, I'm getting fat. Like, it's coded language mm-hmm. and sends you signals about what they think about you. Yep. And so many people don't even realize what they're doing in that moment. Yeah. Oh, I honestly, she had no clue. And that's like, that's, I I actually think that's part of the reason a lot of fat people are very compassionate, Mm. is that you grow up being able to decipher when someone is being mean-spirited 
versus when they're saying something that's terrible and it's not negating that it's terrible, mm-hmm. but that the intention of it wasn't to wound was, you. Right, right. Right? Like that we have an ability to be able to see that because yes. we have navigated that field and that landscape our whole lives. That's very true. I do, on, on top of that, I think that being the person that takes up the most space but is seen the least, as you said earlier, makes us more observant. Oh, yeah. You know, so you you watch people interacting with other people as well as with yourself. And I feel like that gives you certain insight that maybe other folks wouldn't have. I, I don't know. That's this, that's a theory. It's, it's a theory of mine. I just came up with it just now. We'll see. I mean, who knows if somebody has written about that. But I don't know where, like, going from this point... I think that your podcast is going to be something that is really needed right now. I think that people are, we're we're in an age right now where people are ready for change. People are ready to... I think people just want permission to stop hating themselves. Yes. Right? Because it's been for how long now? How many decades? Have we been hating ourselves? Oh, and like... For what? I, I mean, and this ties into food that, like, the diet industry does not exist everywhere. It exists in the United States. Mm. It exists in England. Mm-hmm. And it exists in Australia. Yeah. But, like, those are the places that the diet industry exists. Mm-hmm. And I know no other industry that profits equally on whether you quote-unquote succeed or quote-unquote fail Mm. right yeah it is a capitalist venture to make people particularly women feel like shit about themselves Mm -hmm. and if we give women and men and like any iteration of bodies Mm -hmm. the permission to stop feeling that way yeah it's gonna be really liberating for a lot of people. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like, I, it, I I will say, like, and I say this, and I think people are shocked by it, like, growing up as a fat kid, you have to learn to disengage from societal standards of beauty. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the only way you grow up not hating yourself. Yeah. yeah. And actually, that is a gift. Right? Like, absolutely. Growing up not playing into this idea that I am not enough Mm -hmm. and what like what can I do to be better how do I better myself Mm -hmm. when it's some ad exec somewhere trying to sell you something yeah right like don't get me wrong I like makeup I like you know like things that are buy into beauty culture yeah I also don't measure my worth by a what others think of me Mm -hmm. in that beauty culture right Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. B, by what societal standards are. Right, right. Because, because societal standards actually are completely disconnected from the reality of society. Of society, yeah. yeah. Which is which blows my mind every time I talk with somebody about it. That, you know, like the average size woman is not what you find in the clothing stores. Right. Like, those are not the sizes that you find. They're harder to find. Absolutely. And which when is you look ridiculous. at stores like Old Navy... Like, Old Navy doesn't offer their plus line in their stores. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, uh, why? That means you're... And they, I will say, like, 
their vanity sizing means I can shop there mm-hmm. at like a store, a brick and mortar store. Mm-hmm. But like in theory, they don't offer my size at their store and they don't offer the size of 67% of women in this country. Right. That makes no sense. It makes so what we're relegated to just having to buy online. Yeah. Which is not okay. Or like maybe maybe you get uh, you find a, a place that has a torrid or Elaine yeah. Bryant or you know but like often you have to go looking for those spaces oh definitely when I first moved to Chicago I I had stopped shopping at Lane Bryant because I was really disappointed with just the styles that they were putting out like some of the tops because I have a smaller waist big hips small waist so I'm very hourglass, and I'm like, you know, that's that's something I would like to show off. Yeah. But all of their tops are cut the opposite. They're cut like tents. Yeah. So I, I like swim in them. Well, because for so long, plus-size fashion was about hiding your body. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. And I do think we're starting this, like, swing into, like, showing off your body. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or, like, for me, I'm someone who just has the longest torso. I, like, literally have the longest torso known <laughs> to me I have, like, tiny little T-Rex arms and tiny legs, and I have all torso. I had a friend once, and, like, he met this so lovingly, but he's like, don't take this the wrong way, but you're kind of shaped like Mrs. Potato Head. <laughs> oh. like, uh, thank you? Thanks, I think. Uh, I mean, it's part of the reason I lift the way I lift, right? Like, uh-huh. I can, like, uh-huh. it's because I have such a long torso, and I have these, like, little thick legs that, like, can dent lift a lot yeah, and can yeah. back about 275 right nice. like it's they're incredible legs I'm not saying this with any ounce of like not loving my body <laughs> but for years it wasn't that I wouldn't buy a swimsuit to go to the beach because I didn't want to be on the beach mm-hmm. it was because they did not make a swimsuit long enough with for long my torso. torso yeah and the rise of the bikini the plus size bikini was like <gasps> I will buy them all, and I will go sit on the beach all summer long, because <laughs> I'm like, I am making up for last time. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. See, and I, I have a short torso, but it's like 90% boobs. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. But everything that's cut for larger chests is, the assumption is that you also have a longer torso and very large arms. So I always have to take shoulders up. Always, always, always. Yeah. And almost anything that I buy... I have this dress that somebody just gave me that is like, I put it on and it fits great, except that the armholes like, are like at my waist. Do y'all know what Dillard's is? Yeah. Uh, so I just got back from Colorado. I was mm-hmm. there for a wedding. And the wedding was in Colorado Springs. And Colorado Springs has the Dillard's clearance Ooh. of the United States. Like everything is dirt cheap. And my friends had told me this. They're like, Jess, you should go over there. And I was like, I don't have any money. They're like, I don't think you understand. Everything is, like, dirt cheap. I walked out with a $300 Tahari dress. What? And a $150 Calvin Klein dress for $25. <gasps> oh, my God. And I, the Calvin Klein dress, I put it on my body and was like, I will wear this to every audition I ever do. <laughs> Even if it's like, come casual, this is me casual. <laughs> I was like, this fits me incredibly. And it was like so stupidly cheap. I was like, well, 
I'm buying this dress. That's amazing. That's amazing. I have this, um, I have one of those subscription boxes that shows up to my house every, well, I do every other month. And it's got five pieces of clothing in it. And it's the one that's specifically, it, it's the we, Dia. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was like, and can we say brands on here? I, I don't know. I think so. I mean, Hey, Dia Company, if you want to sponsor us, we'd love that. And that would be awesome. <laughs> um, so they, they have all the, all the sizes, which is awesome. And what they're really, they've really managed to be able to narrow in on pants and dresses. Their pants, I have like three pairs of pants from them already because every time they send me a pair of pants, they fit like a fucking glove. Like, uh, that would be worth it for me. And they're not too long. They're like, you know, they're perfect. And I actually, they don't have the big gap in the back because of my my bum, you uh, know, like. Oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, I have like, because I lift so much, I have mm-hmm. like a weird high muscly ass that uh-huh. I'm trying to find pants is. It's insane. It's, I, I don't own jeans. Because right. I have yet to be able to find a pair that will fit my body. I actually did not own jeans until, for the longest time, until my first Dia box. Because... That I, would be worth it for me. Yeah. I actually... Do you know Kate Fetzer Camphausen? No. She's a costume designer in Chicago. Okay. She's, uh, she made me a pair of shorts uh-huh. for the summer. And she's making me a pair of like high-waisted like trouser pants. Oh, nice. Because I was like, I can't bind pants to fit uh-huh. my body. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. Well, my my ass is from food service. Like, I stand. Yeah. And I'm, I walk maybe 20 flights of stairs on average a day, and I'm constantly, constantly standing. Right. You know, my massage therapist is always, like, exclaiming how tight my hamstrings <coughs> are and, and how I carry all my tension in my ass. Like, it, there's just so much there because I'm standing all day every day oh yeah so yeah i have a similar problem and then my waist is smaller so then i have that big old gap that you could like put a small child in yes yeah it's ridiculous anyway (laughs) we just took a weird we just took a weird it's great though it's great i love it um so i i want to move on though because um part of why i wanted to have you on is because we both have to deal with um well yours is not autoimmune necessarily I have an autoimmune disease. Mine has autoimmune components. So explain what the disorder is. Uh, it's Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Okay. Uh, it is a connective tissue disorder. Uh, there are five variations, six, I can't remember, I think there's five. Oh, wow. Uh, I, uh, historically, have just been very, very, very flexible, like mm-hmm. very hypermobile. Okay. Um, I could do weird little party tricks with my body mm-hmm. my whole life, like... Watch me move my joints in a weird way, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, and I dislocated my knee and tore my interior ligament and tendon in the process. Ouch. And went to... I had, I had I have historically dislocated like almost everything in my body at one point or another. Oh my god. Uh, each shoulder, each knee, my hips more times than I can count. The, one of the major dislocations of my left hip, I ripped everything from the top of my back to my knee. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Uh, and for years, what I had been told is, well, if you lose weight, that'll help this. Well, if you lose weight, that'll help this. And the irony is I lost... Uh, I will never be a thin person. I was put on a medication in high school that now has had class action lawsuits against it, that uh, it had never been tested in adolescence. And so everyone who took it as an adolescent 
gained weight that they will never fully lose. Okay. I know this, like, and it's fine. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it I, is, am, yeah. I am fine right. with it. It is what it is. It is yeah. what it is. Yeah. But I, uh, within a context, sort of have swung up and down history. Okay. Like, we all mm. do. Yeah. Uh, and I was at, like, the thinnest I had been in adulthood. Mm-hmm. And I was doing like nothing and dislocated my hip in that lo- at, at that time. Like I was like, like basically doing deadlifts with the bar wow. and that's how I did it. And what I realized was after, so I finally like, you know, have doctors saying, well, just keep losing weight. Um, and I'm like, mm, that's not, that's not actually, I, that's not the problem. Right. That's not the problem. That's not the problem. Right. Yeah. Uh, because I'm, I, you know, I finally go to this doctor uh, on something totally unrelated, mm-hmm. and sh- she was like, uh, "Sorry, I know uh, they have just transitioned pronouns to they them." So, okay, they brain brain work with right. me. <laughs> uh, uh, were like, "How often do you do this?" And I was like, "Oh, I do it a lot." <laughs> I was like, "I do it more than any human should." Like, right, and uh, they started asking me a series of questions and. Uh, they're like, you know, we're going to run the blood test, but I'm going to tell you, you have Ehlers-Danlos. Like, clear, this is a very clear case of it. Wow. And so I, I, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a connective tissue disorder. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, it, one of the things, like, it has a component with ear problems. And as a kid, I had three sets of tubes and had 13 surgeries on each of my ears. Oh my god. But because it's connective tissue, yeah. It's like everything in my life that were these like very weird things that just seemed like I was this like unrelated. Mm-hmm. Turns out they They're all, all due yeah. to Ehlers-Danlos. Wow. And which is part of the reason they were like, "No, you have like one of the clearest like uh, you have these weird headaches, you have this, you like get dizzy spells and mm-hmm. it's, your heart is fine and you're like, and I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I had been told by so many doctors that it was my fatness and like me being a hypochondriacal person, which the thing is, I'm not, I'm not a hypochondriac. I'm a right. pretty like type B chill personality. Right. And I was like, I mean, you can't exactly be hypochondriac about your joints dislocating exactly if your joint dislocates it dislocates exactly it's not a maybe it's not a oh i kind of feel like maybe it did no it did or it didn't exactly and that was and it it turned out like yeah it but like some of the other weirder parts of it they had been like oh that's not a real thing and i was like oh no man it's a real thing in my body like you know oh my god can we can we talk let's just stop for a second and talk about that the idea that like because this happened to me too when when women especially go into a doctor and for the most part larger bodied women you go into a doctor and almost no matter what the hell you tell them is wrong well if you lost some weight right either that or which is also why uh uh fat people but particularly women have the highest rate of late stage cancer diagnosis Oh, I believe that because, because no one believes no you. No one is doing the like, and the irony. I just listened to the story about how part of the reason uh, America's healthcare is so much more expensive than any other countries is that they run unnecessary tests, 
at the caveat being on plus size women. Yeah, right. Or like, they don't run any. Like I, one of the statistics that I don't know why I want to tell the world this, but it just like boggled my mind mm-hmm. that sixty-eight uh, percent of women who have had their uteruses removed have been given a Pap smear after that procedure. What? You don't need a Pap smear after that procedure, but like that they're billing out that procedure, which is why. It's it's an ex, like Damn. it's an expense, and it was like such a clear thing where it's like, oh, people don't listen to people. No, right? Yeah, they really don't. If you don't have a uterus, you actually don't need that pap smear. Right. Yeah. Oh my god. Isn't that's that insane? That's that's it's insane. Like a wild statistic. It really that wow. And I'm like in my car going, what? <laughs> <laughs> and and also thinking about the irony of how many tests. I know people who are fat who have needed to have run. Yeah. They cannot get run. Yeah. Because it comes back to this idea, well, if you just lose weight. Yep. Yep. I actually was at a point, and the, again, this was many years ago, um, where I, I had been told that, you know, well, you have, you have, you know, you're hypothyroid, but it, it runs in your family. It's hereditary. Like, you know, you just, we'll put you on Synthroid and, but you really, you'll feel better if you lose the weight. I was working at Whole Foods at the time, and I would, I was working the closing shift, so I didn't have to be in until two. Is Hashimoto's hereditary? It can be. Okay. It can be caused by external factors as well. Mine, I think, was a combination of the two. Okay. But before I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, and it was just hypothyroid, I would wake up, I would get on a treadmill for like 45 minutes and run, which was not good for my knees, but, you know, whatever. I did it. But you damage your body because you're being told by doctors. Because, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I would, like, lift weights or I would do aerobics or whatever. I would work out for an hour and a half, and then I would go to work, which was in a kitchen on my feet, right, lifting heavy things and, and doing heavy work. And on my break, I would get a salad, like a giant salad with no dressing, with nothing, like, no cheese, no croutons, no... I was literally just eating vegetables and protein. And then I would finish my work, and then I would go home, and I would go to sleep, and I would do it all over again. I did this for three months. Do you know how I felt at the end of that three months? Terrible. Like, shit. Yeah. I felt so bad. And I went back to the doctor, and I was like... And again, she was like, well, you know, you really just got to keep working on this weight. And I was like, how much weight have I lost in the last three months? None, your weight's the same. Yeah, okay, do you know I'm killing myself? Right. I am killing myself. Have you seen Dietland? I have not, but somebody told me recently about it. Uh, there's a scene where Joy Nash's character goes into a doctor and it's like, well, we can't do your weight loss surgery until you lose more weight. And at that point, she's like eating less than 1,200 calories a day. Oh my and God. the doctor's like, well, then you need to cut it to 700. And like, what? But now... Spoiler alert, she disengages from the system, but, but, like, it's that moment where you're like, mm-hmm, yeah, 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 that's not healthy. No, right? that's not okay. It's right. not okay for a medical professional to be telling you that. Right. And then I moved to Chicago, and I went, um, and I saw a doctor who, without actually saying that my symptoms were in my head, said it was in my head, and that, like, took a blood test and was like, well... You know, your tests show that your your thyroid is producing some hormone, and if we just left it alone, it would probably be fine. But I guess if you think it would make you feel better, I'll prescribe you some medication. Like, this was because my Synthroid 
I'd been on Synthroid for like 15 years and I never felt well ever. And I had gone to this new doctor and was like, maybe we could try something else. And she was like, well, I'll put you on this other, I can't remember what it's called now. It's not a very well, well known or often prescribed one, but basically told me I didn't need it. And after that I was like, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. And I finally got into like an, um, to see a functional medicine doctor who was like, um, you've had hypothyroid for how long? At this point it was almost 20 years and no one ever did an ultrasound on your thyroid? No. <coughs> no one even mentioned it? No. Okay. I, I'm looking at your labs and she did really extensive labs. Like all the things for thyroid, so all the different hormones plus the antibodies, plus all the different ways to test your cholesterol, your blood sugar, glucose, all of it. Like I had 13 pages of test results when those were done. And she said, I don't understand how no one has seen <coughs> your thyroid is dying. Like it's screaming for help right now. And your antibodies are really high, which means you have Hashimoto's. No one ever told you that? And I was like, no. no, I've never even heard of that before. Like it just, I had gone through life with people telling me if you were just like, <coughs> I'm about to have a coughing fit for my allergies. <coughs> Pausing. <coughs> All right. It just has to, I know that's what's been happening oh for God. two months. I'm so sorry. It's ridiculous. All right. Okay. Oh. And back. Um, yeah, so it's just that, I, sorry I went on that tangent, but just the idea that, like, this happens to so many women that they go into a doctor and they're just, especially if you have some kind of chronic illness or autoimmune diseases. I think it diseases. happens to anyone in a marginalized body. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like, like I, I always, I'm trying to correct myself with this, like, because I always say women, because I'm like, women, women. And you know what? I've realized anyone in a marginalized body, and, yeah, this is happening. Absolutely. To. It happens, it does happen to women who are not in marginalized bodies a lot because mm -hmm. it happened to my sister as well. And she, I mean, I would argue that the way culture treats any form of womanhood is a marginalized body, right? Truth. Okay. Right? I get, yep. Uh, yep. But, but yes, like your sister lives in a, uh, uh, normally sized, Right. Yes. Yes. Well, not even normally for this country, but like, let's but say, yes. Yes, 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 yes. But yes, I and understand. I just think that uh, often women are just not listened to in general when they walk into a doctor. Oh, no, they're not. Yeah. Absolutely. It's all in our head. Everything's yeah. all in our head. And the more, so the more thing layers you add to it. So first you're a woman. Okay. Now you're a woman in, in a larger body. Okay. Now you're a woman in a larger body with a chronic illness and or autoimmune disease and or hereditary disorder and or something that is not like I'm not walking into the doctor's office bleeding or with you know a broken limb or something mm -hmm. so it can't be seen therefore it must not be there right and it's infuriating right it's infuriating right so, until you like break your body and they're like oh maybe something's actually wrong with you right I will say you know the fact that it took that long for you to get a diagnosis when you actually had like joints dislocating that often, that is, that blows my mind. It blows my mind. That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I mean, yep. Especially like, when you finally got one and they were like, this is like clear cut. 
I don't know if you were there this day. It, Angela and I did an opera together. Yes, and we did. I uh, went to point, and my whole shoulder came out of place. And you could hear it go, like you could hear my shoulder go out of place and, and come back, back in. in place. Uh, it was very early on when we were at uh, the Episcopal Church still. Oh. Like, but, like, it was, like, this moment. And I just remember, like, three people just screaming. Because I was like, oh, yeah, my shoulder just just looking. I do remember that because they were like, oh, my God, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, fine. This, this, all the time. This is just my body. This is just the way it is. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so I'm just looking at my notes here. We've covered a lot of what I was going to talk about. Um, or what I was going to ask you, I should say. Um, so here's a here's an interesting query, if uh-huh. you will. Um, so disorders and diseases like this are on the rise right now. Um, statistically, you know, more and more women are being diagnosed, especially with Hashimoto's or with Graves' disease or various other rheumatoid arthritis. Which you know. there's a. Uh, Ehlers-Danlos, mm-hmm. part of the reason people, uh, if you have been, I had a couple things going for me. Okay. A, I'm very strong, mm-hmm. and so I had quick recovery because my muscles relieved right. quickly. Right. Uh, what happens is for, like, people who get a later in life diagnosis, mm-hmm. part of the reason they get diagnosed now is that it turns into arthritis. Oh. So, like, my hip became a little weird, and I was like, that's, what's happening there? Like, it, like, the dislocation should have tipped someone off. Well, yes. But it was the, like, like, my knees crack and certain, like, it, it's like yeah. the arthriticness of it that ends up getting people diagnosed later in life. And in fact, um, for a disorder that's so uncommon, a friend of mine from college got diagnosed at the exact same time I did. Whoa. And he got diagnosed because he was doing carpentry work and fell, and, like, when he landed on his hands, instead of breaking anything, all of his fingers (gasps) moved. Whoa. (laughs) Which I was like, oh, yeah, that's, like, essentially what happened to my knee. My knee just moved out of place instead of breaking when I fell. The impact, like, moved it out of place, and it just ripped everything off my leg. Which is, like, that's, like, the big telltale sign of this disorder is that, like, you dislocate and never break things. Oh, my gosh. This is the... I'm so... I'm I'm fascinated, but, like... Oh, it's gross. <laughs> I, you know, like, I, or I forget, like, how easily I bruise because of the disorder, and oh, I have been yeah. really mindful about taking my collagen and doing all the things mm-hmm. I was supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. um, but because I had moved and because I, you know, I just yeah. hadn't, and I went to go do uh, the show I just did, and yeah. I was, like, the first song, I was also playing, like, an egg shaker, and I was, like, hitting against my thigh, or against my, like, hip, essentially, uh-huh. and uh, after opening night where I was, like, really into it, I looked down and I had a bruise. I'm not kidding. From here to here, like, like this big. Like, the size of a football. Oh, my God. And I was like, ugh. I was like, you, note to self, take your collagen. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. So, with things like this being on the rise, here is my conundrum slash query do you think the rising it's the rising understanding of these disorders and diseases that is helping people get diagnosed or is it a fallout from years of environmental toxins and broken food systems so i guess what i'm asking is like (laughs) 
Which one of those things is more likely to be the reason that these diagnoses are on the rise? I guess I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Right. And that's that's kind of what I was thinking as well. I, I just wanted to discuss. I think that, um, again, like, we were raised on processed foods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, like, it is amazing to me how... Because it's a connective tissue disorder, right? Like, and your gut is all connective tissue. Uh-huh. How terrible I felt for most of my life without knowing I was feeling terrible. Right? Like, yep. like the standard of living was just terrible. Yep. And, yep. But I had no ability to understand that until I stopped eating that way. Mm-hmm. No, I... I Wow, I have said that almost that exact same thing so many times. Like the, in my case, it's 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 like a chronic fatigue thing. Yes. So nobody quite understands what I mean when I say I'm exhausted today. My level of exhaustion is probably, if someone else you know not with this disease said they were exhausted, times that by like fifteen or twenty. And that is my exhaustion. Mm -hmm. So I lived that way for so long, Mm -hmm. thinking that this, well, this was just normal. Or what's wrong with, am I lazy? Like, I'm just, I must just be lazy because I can't, like, get moving. Or I need so much sleep. Or, like, you know what I mean? Well, and also, like, being in a bigger body, what a conundrum when you have this underlying major medical issue Mm -hmm. that causes extreme fatigue. Mm-hmm. Causes uh, a lack of ability to move well because you're inflamed. Inflamed, yeah. Like all of these things, and then it's just well, you're that way because you're fat and you need to lose weight, and you're like, but I can't lose weight because I can't fucking move. Right. Like, exactly. like yeah. And yeah. if I have gluten, mm-hmm. literally all of my joints swell up to the point where I cannot walk, and Oof. I can't walk for days. Like it's not just like a. Like, I just can't get around for a couple of hours. It's mm-hmm. like I can't move like days. physically for yeah. days. Until your body has completely cleared that substance. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So for me, it's more like, and I don't, I, I never have enough gluten to have it be an issue really, but if I was to have it, you know, an actual portion, like normal, like a normal portion, like a piece of bread, right? Or nightshades do this to me too. So like, something with a a whole bunch of tomato sauce on it the next day I don't feel it right away which makes it more difficult to avoid certain foods because you know you're not going to get an immediate reaction it's not I'm not celiac right I'm not gonna you know be throwing up or on the toilet right but the next day and the day after that I literally feel like I went 12 rounds with Muhammad Ali it's like like someone used me for a punching bag everything hurts and I'm sure it's 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 a different thing because I'm not necessarily like my joints aren't swollen. What is it in the nightshades? I well nightshades, that family are technically toxins, so they have toxins in them, and I I don't remember exactly what the specific toxin is. If it builds up in certain people, it's just it, it's a reaction that happens. Some people are just more sensitive, and for some reason, nightshades are very closely connected with autoimmune diseases. Yeah, and I'm not entirely sure if it's if it's a that toxin in the gut, since autoimmune is diseases are often you know centered in the gut. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to do with you know gut permeability or leaky gut, as they call it. Leaky um, gut is 
It, it, that's like, that that's is a real the thing. thing. That is the thing. And yeah. what happens is that what you're eating then gets into your bloodstream. It's, it's molecules do. Yeah. And your body either just absorbs them or fights them. And with those of us that have autoimmune diseases, it's, it, it's a fight is what it is. And so then the body will also fight anything that looks like that food particle, like that molecule. So it, like in my, for gluten in Hashimoto's, the body can't tell the difference between the thyroid hormones and the gluten. So it destroys them both, all of them. Like, and, and then it continues to just try and attack your thyroid gland. You know, so mine is like half dead at this point because I had it for so long without knowing. Right. But the, the nightshades tend to be, they're a little bit different and then I really like, that amps up the fatigue for me to a point where like, it can't do any, like it can't even form thoughts. It's really, and, and I mean, I have to have like a decent serving of it. If I, if I have a piece of tomato, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be fine, right? Like right. I can have a bite or two of tomato in a salad or something and be fine. That's no, that's no issue. Concentrated amounts though, or like, you know, say I was to eat tomato soup. Wow, I'm down for the count for like right. three days. Three days. Do you find that it, there's a difference if it's cooked or raw? A little bit, it for, which is weird because you would think cooking it would make it better, but it makes it worse. I, well, I have a, I, I know a person who can eat raw onion but can't eat cooked, cooked onion. Yeah, fascinating. It's, I our bodies bodies are weird. Are so weird, <laughs> and I just get so fascinated by it. Like, yeah, because I feel like. There are so many people who have so many things where they're just like, nope, I can't do that. Right. Like, I can't. I just can't. Yeah. And it, what's interesting to me is that I often get told, you know, wow, I don't know what I would do if I could never have, you know, gluten again, or if I could never have, like, real pasta, or if I could never have spaghetti and meatballs. Like, you know, you just, you deal with it a few times, and then you realize that it's not worth it. I, so... I got told by a doctor up in Denver when I was living there that I needed to give up gluten. And this was before I had the Ehlers-Danlos diagnosis. diagnosis. Uh -huh. uh, and I was on indigent care there, so I was like on community health care. Right. And they were like, we could do a very expensive test on you. Mm -hmm. Or you can just hear me say, everything you're describing sounds like celiac disease. It doesn't sound like a sensitivity, which he was not wrong because Ehlers-Danlos and celiac disease have similarities right, right right and he was like and i won't see you again for your stomach issues if you do not give up gluten for six weeks like he like was that like wow stop complaining if you're not willing if you're to not going to do anything about it and i was like mm -hmm. okay and i was like i'll show him i'll do it for six weeks and i'll be fine two days in i was like <laughs> i was like i'm a whole new person and i was wow. like all right don't be a stubborn asshole right like yeah like Clearly, this, clearly... It's a, it's a thing. It's a problem. Like, I had thrown up usually twice a week, every week, from the time I was 13 to the time I, like, in my mid-20s when I finally gave up gluten. Wow. And I knew that wasn't a normal thing, but it was my normal. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, yeah. so you're just like... Don't know why this keeps happening. It's like, move on, right? And it's and happening. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I had tried giving up other things, but no one had just said it's gluten. Right, right. And then I gave up gluten and was like, oh. 
I can never have this again. Like, that's, like, actually a real thing. And mm -hmm. then when I got diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos and listened to the research, I was like, oh, I can, like, literally... I can really like, never have this Because then, I, like, the two times I have been gluten-poisoned, and it's been, like, almost ten years that I've been gluten-free. Wow. Uh, but the two times I've been, like, truly gluten-poisoned, it was like I'm laying on a tile floor shaking because I can't walk but also I'm throwing up. Oh my god. Like, so you're just like, I just need to like, like, live on my bathroom floor for <laughs> like a week. <laughs> it's terrible. It really, it's, that is how violent the reaction is. Wow. Mine's not nearly that bad, but I mean, everybody's got their thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's enough. It's enough for me. It's enough for me to know that I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. And, and knowing that the more... I was to cheat and eat gluten, the higher my antibodies will get and then the worse I'll feel in the future. So it's just, it's not worth it to me. I also think you just sort of start to hit an age. There's something about aging into like the late 20s, early 30s, where you just consciously are like, I don't want to make myself feel terrible anymore. Right, right. You know, like whatever it is, like whatever, uh, I, I am a firm believer that different bodies need different things, right? Oh, me too, absolutely. Uh, but whatever it is that you need, when you hit the point where you're like, I just don't wanna feel bad anymore. Mm -hmm. it, it's a really interesting transitional point, right? It, it really it really is, and I, I, I've had a discussion with, um, uh, now I don't remember who it was, but I was talking to someone who uh, is vegan, and no, it was not our lovely producers. They're totally cool. But this was this was somebody who was trying to convince me that it was a better way, you know. And I I basically said to them, I can't I can't survive as a vegan. I, yeah. And and they took it as you know like when people say, Oh my God, I die if I can never have bread again. Like they were like, mm, Why do you say that? You could do it if you really tried. And I was like, No, no, no. No, no, no. My body actually. My body actually does not work that way. Right. I actually have a genetic disorder where my cells don't convert B vitamins. So I have to eat as much of it as I can, which means I need the animal protein. Right. That's where it comes from. Just like uh, I have a collagen disorder, which means I. You need, need that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Without it's, it. I, it is never a judgment of like, I. I think everyone should be primarily plant-based in general, right? right Just right. like for general health and wellness, you're right. always going to be eating your best if you're eating more plants. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but if I can't give up beef, like I physically can't give right, up. Right, right. Like I actually have to have, very specifically they tell you, you need lemons and limes, mm -hmm. like you need all the citrus you can get into your body, because Ehlers Danlos, uh, the symptoms could mirror scurvy. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm like, yar. Uh, <laughs> you like, would have I'm a pirate. Like, yeah, exactly. I read that and was like, uh huh, uh huh. When, when the doctor, when I went to the doctor, they were like, yeah, yeah, that's a real thing. And I was like, great. Awesome. Great. I just awesome. call it my pirate issue. Uh, <laughs> so you need a ton of citrus, a ton of collagen, which like, what a weird time to be alive with the rise of like all of those beauty collagens that you could just buy at stores now. Yes. Like yes. It, that's so, or bone broth or like, yes. uh, it's so easy to get that, yes. which like historically it has not it been. It has not been. Uh, and you need leafy green vegetables mm -hmm. and beef. Yep. 
That makes sense. Because of the iron and the, like, what's in beef, right? Right, like, right. Yeah. Yeah, so. Well, beef is chock full of connective tissue. Yes. And so if your body is suffering, your connective tissue isn't working, you need to eat more of it. There's a lot, a lot of truth behind, and, and I may get some backlash from this because I've recently seen people say otherwise, but there is some truth behind you are what you eat. And, you know, somebody once recently posted something um, about, like, how that wasn't true. And they were they were talking about from a, a human value kind of, your, your worth is not based in what you Oh, do, absolutely. Which I completely agree with. But, scientifically speaking, your body is what you right. put into it. Literally. And this is a big thing for fat people, where we have been uh, judged and critiqued for our choices of food for so long mm -hmm. that like being able to be like, you know what, I'm going to eat these fries. Like mm -hmm. I, I forget when was it? It was not too long ago. I was somewhere and they had like completely gluten-free fries. So I ate them. Oh, dedicated fryer and everything. Yep. I love that. And, uh, <laughs> I was eating my fries and I could just see this woman watching me eat the fries. Oh my like, God. Like I, here's a fat person eating fries. And I shit you not, I stared her dead in the eyes as I ate every single one of those fries. <laughs> I was like, I do not care what you think of me. I'm going to eat these I'm fries. I'm going to eat these fries. I'm going to love these fries. I like, I will let you think whatever, whatever you want you to think, think of me. You but I will ahead. eat every single one of these freaking fries. Oh my god, that's hilarious. And I will not break eye contact with you, so, you know. <laughs> so, speaking of restrictions, I want to circle back a little bit to that idea back to your podcast mission. And I want to talk a little bit about, like, what it's like, that, that kind of idea that you were just talking about, what it's like to, to have to have food restrictions but when, when you are in a marginalized body, when you're a larger person, and, and the kind of shit we have to deal with. I mean, I was at a restaurant down the street the other night, and I was there with four thin, able-bodied people, mm -hmm. and each of them ordered a burger and fries, mm -hmm. and I ordered the cob salad. Mm -hmm. The runner put down the burger and fries in front of me every time. Just assuming? Yeah. Oh my god. Isn't that like, and I was like, and I pointed it out to the people at the table and it like blew their minds. And I was like, no, 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 he fixed the, and, and like, which like, don't get me wrong, I will go down on a burger and fries. Like, oh, I'm not, hell yeah. But like, it's this idea, I know that this person is putting each of these plates in front of me. Right. Because I'm the fat body. They, yeah. Right. Like, and it's such a, it is a weird thing when people look at you about it. Like, I did a gig two, two New Year's Eve's ago, so not this New Year's Eve, but the New Year's Eve before it, and it was mm -hmm. at, like, this really, like, upscale, like, top ten restaurants in Chicago. Wow. Where they paid me to sing, like, a sea siren on a platform over a playlist the chef had curated and this was like a five hundred dollar meal wow like tight place cool. right and they had it was like me just being like ah, like really like just like living like, my mermaid life living your best mermaid <laughs> life uh at like 
a whole bunch of dancers who were like doing interpretive dance on this platform while I was doing this. It was, it was an experience. That's awesome. But it's like this very, very high-end restaurant. And they had made the performers food and all of the food had gluten. Oh. All of it. And I finally like went to the person who was like our point person for yeah. the night and was like, between dinner services, I, I can't eat any of this. Right. Like, I, I physically can't eat it. And the chef made me scallops and quinoa and arugula. I mean, it was the one of the best things I've ever eaten. Yum. And the chef, I said to the chef, like, thank you. I recognize that what you do is an art form and I'm really not trying to be difficult. Right. I actually can't process gluten. And he was like, I know. And like, just like, it was like so easy. Like, not a thing. And I never would have expected that at the highest end restaurant I have ever eaten at in my mm. life, that the response from the chef would have been like, yeah, it's cool. Don't worry about it. Like, right. I know you're not making this up. Right. 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 Because I think the assumption is that people are making it up or people are doing it as a dietary fad or people are. Oh like, yeah. You know, I've definitely gotten that eye roll that you get from servers sometimes when they think that you're doing it because it's a fad, especially when you're a fat person. Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, God, she's one of these people. I'm like, I've been, this is like year 10. We've been, like, this has been like the long haul and for me. Because usually what I do is I order something that doesn't already inherently have gluten in it. You know, if yes. I'm at a breakfast place, I'm going to order eggs and maybe some potatoes or greens or whatever you know if I'm out at a burger place I if they don't have gluten-free buns cool I will get a burger just no bun no bun and I but I'm always telling them just if you're gonna bring bread to the table just don't or just put it in front of whoever I'm with like I don't bring the bread that comes with my meal yeah well you don't it's really good bread I'm sure it is but I would rather that you didn't waste it by bringing it to somebody who can't eat it. It's really good bread that's going to poison my body. Like, I... This is not a critique of your bread. This is not a critique of your bread. I just... I wish I could eat it, and I hope everyone else enjoys it. But that's It's not... also like this, like... like. Don't you think if I could eat it, I would? Right? Right? Like, right? Like, I... That's the thing that always sort of... Infuriates me at times mm-hmm. where it's like this, like no, of course I would love to be able to eat that pastry. Of course I would. I don't. It's not like I'm on some moralistic high horse. Exactly. I literally cannot process that pastry right. without my body going into like a traumatic episode. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> like so, no, I'm not. I'm not eating the pastry. Right. And the assumption that people put on it that like you're just doing this because it's a fad. That is infuriating to me. Right. And I, I feel, it sh- I shouldn't feel as treated as I do when I go places that are not like that. Like, like if you've ever been to uh, Tweet, Tweet Let's Eat, they have an entire gluten-free menu, yep. which is fan-fucking-tastic. And I, the first time I went there, I felt suddenly, like, see. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, people care. Nobody's judging me. This is amazing. You know, I, so I just got back from Denver slash Colorado Springs. Mm -hmm. It was fascinating. Uh, The first couple of days I spent in Denver, everywhere I went, they had menus that listed what was vegetarian, what was vegan, and what was gluten-free. Like, standard. Oh, wow. Standard. And every restaurant offers those things. That's awesome. Because it's Colorado, right? Like, it's like... Yeah, Colorado is a very weird place, but even Colorado Springs now has a completely gluten-free restaurant. 
Wow. And I was like, where am I? What, what life <laughs> am I living? Because it is, I will say, I think Chicago is kind of terrible about it. They're getting better. They're getting better. But yes. But like the fact that there's only one gluten-free restaurant in the city? Yeah. It's kind of crazy. And it's in Lincoln Park? Yeah. I mean, no. Well, yeah. But like, <laughs> like it's like there's, it's not accessible, right? Here, yeah, yeah. Where even, it was like, I could go into any place and find something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even in my own cafe where I work as the cook, we are not remotely gluten free because we're a sandwich and bagel place, right? Right. So we offer things that you could come in and eat now, but in the beginning it wasn't like yeah. that. And I honestly think that part of it, and I'm sure my boss is going to listen to this and be like, that was my idea. Well, you know what, Will? It was mine first. I'm just going to say it. Because because of my diagnosis, suddenly I couldn't eat any of the stuff that we had in the shop. Yeah. And for a while there, when I was doing the, um, I had to do a, met, uh, they called it a metabolic detox. And it was like an elimination diet as well to figure out what my other triggers were. Yeah. And for that period of time I there was a lot of things I couldn't eat I couldn't have peanuts and so I remember one day I was like man I forgot to bring my lunch I don't know what I'm gonna eat and he was like well I know you're really busy why don't you just eat a spoonful of peanut butter for now and then and then I'll make you a special salad and I was like well I can't eat peanuts right now oh okay well you know what we've got some walnuts over here make yourself some walnut butter you can have walnuts and I was like yeah make yourself some walnut butter that'll be your jar and you just Eat a spoonful of that when you need it and until I can get to your lunch. Awesome. Well, now walnut butter is on the menu. It's a standard. That's awesome. We have walnut butter, pecan butter, and peanut butter. I, here's another story about gluten. The place up the street from me. Uh-huh. You, you know that place. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, I walked in with a friend, uh, actually Jen Barrett. Love oh. Jen Barrett. Yay, friend, Jen. Friend to all of us. We love Jen. Uh, and we went to go get coffee there, and I happened to have a gluten-free uh, corn muffin uh-huh. in my bag with me. Okay. And uh, so I ordered cream cheese, mm-hmm. and the man working there was like, well, are you not getting a bagel? And I was like, no. And he was like, well, why aren't you? Like, he like started interrogating me over this. And Weird. I was like, well, I have a gluten-free muffin on me, and I'm going to eat that. And he's like, there's no outside food. And I literally went... Well, you can get my extra money to buy this cream cheese for me to eat my gluten-free muffin, or you cannot get the extra money for me to buy this cream cheese because you don't offer any gluten-free items at this shop. <laughs> what did he say? He was like, uh, uh, I think he had never had anyone just like point out to just him. Point it out, yeah. Like, I'm actually giving you more money. Right. So, like, I understand you don't want outside food, and if it was a random outside food, cool. You offer nothing right. for gluten-free. Well, and you're making a purchase. Correct. If, if you bring in outside food and you're not making a purchase, well, then, yeah, get out. But yeah, but I'm making a bought coffee, yeah. and I was buying an extra purchase. I was buying a thing right. of cream cheese for my gluten-free muffin. That's crazy. I, but, like, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't offer anything. And then he, like, was like, oh, oh, we have too much. And I was like... I wanted to actually be like, no, you don't, because I know of another cafe that you know of. <laughs> but I was like, I won't start that fight today. I'll just be like, sure. Do you want the extra $2 for the cream cheese or not? Or not. Yeah, yeah. We've actually had people, um, friends of mine actually, who have brought in their own gluten-free uh, bread or like sandwich buns, and we'll make them a sandwich on it. 
as long as like cross contact isn't a huge issue. Right. Like for some celiac folks, any kind of cross contact is a big no no. That we can't guarantee because we're so small. Right. But it, you bring in your gluten free bread, your gluten free wrap, we will gladly make you a sandwich on it. You know, like. But I I mean, that's no sense because you're actually making more money off of that because you're not using your bread. Right. Right? So they're still buying this. Like, it was just like this moment where I was like, uh, absolutely not. No. I'm I'm so glad that you, like, you told him off. I'm so glad that you did that. (laughs) I am so glad. So I do, I do want to say in this sort of, like, realm of food restrictions, being in larger bodies kind of thing, what I have found interesting on this journey is that I actually have gotten quite a bit of flack from, not from diet culture folks, but more from body positivity folks, which, which really like, and, and granted not, I I don't want to put, you know, generalize or put everybody in one category. I like to call myself body positive as well, but there are some, I feel, and granted this is going to happen in any group that just have taken it to so far of an extreme that to to tell me no food is evil you're promoting diet culture well oh okay no i don't no, think the first of all most fat people have collective trauma about their fatness and how society is treated them. true i think yes. we can just like say that yes. as a true statement right yes. um and what happens is that we are finally giving ourselves permission to do things mm-hmm. and do it without shame. Mm-hmm. And that is 1,000% what should be happening. Yes. How do we open up the door for conversations about health and wellness and what makes an individual's body feel better? Yes. And not make that about diet about culture. About diet culture, yes. And about the collective trauma of diet culture. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you read any of Jess Baker's stuff? No. Just I would I, I would point you towards Jess Baker. Okay. Uh, Jess Baker has been doing a lot of great work about talking about uh, health and wellness and food mm-hmm. and uh, and body positivity. Okay. Like how do I take care of my body? Right. Right. Like because really body positivity uh, should be about celebrating your body. Yes, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like, uh, I, I celebrating my body, celebrating your body, celebrating our producer's body, celebrating, right. like, the person walking down the street's body, right? right. Like, right. everyone's body is a, is a good and worthy body. Yes. When you tell people that their bodies are not enough, what happens is they think they are not enough. Mm-hmm. And we are at a rise of people saying, I am enough, I am enough, I am enough. But there's inherent reactions to things because of yeah, that trauma. Like knee right? jerk reactions. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like, while I know it's getting directed at you, mm-hmm. it's actually 1000% not about Not me. about me. Which is why I never, like, I try really hard not to ever take it personally because, it, in general, 99% of the negative things that are said about you are not about you. They're about the person who sent them. Right. And it's it's coming from their issues. So right. I, I try really hard, you know, the four agreements. I try not to take things personally. Um, it just, I found it really almost fascinating that where I was getting more flack was not from people. Like, okay, I'm just going to put this out there. I 
I have a Beachbody membership. I am I'm a Beachbody quote unquote coach, if you will. I don't really like sell anything because I just like the discounts. Um, which that is a thing. You can be a coach to yeah. just get discounts. But I like it because it means that I can do workouts that that I feel like I need at whatever day or time in my home when I want, how I want. May I ask you a question? Yes, please. This is not meant to be leading or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you inherently hate the name Beachbody? I, I kind of do. Because I inherently hate that. I, yes, like, I kind of do. Because yes. what it says is that some bodies are not worthy of being at a beach. Correct. And I do think that when, when the company was started, however many years ago, that was the, the term was meant as it sounds. I do think that from my experience, they have taken leaps and bounds away from that. They just, the name yeah. doesn't, doesn't do it justice, unfortunately. The name, it's like some of the programs, I, I'm, I'm always like, eh, you probably shouldn't have named it that. Um, and you know what, like, I, I try really hard as a human to recognize that we all have things that we enjoy that we can say are problematic. I love yeah. the fuck out of Harry Potter. The way J.K. Rowling talks about fat people is unacceptable. I love the fuck out of that series, though. And I can say those things both are true. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Like, and for me, it's hard because I know I read it and I'm just like, ah! I was like, like someone who is uh, not just about body positivity, but about body justice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it is hard for me to read some of those things. Right. But I also love that series I, I do too. with every fiber of my being. I totally do. Right? Yes. So like yeah. 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 We all have those things. We all have those things. And but where I what where I'm going with this is that the community, if you will, that I am a part of through Beachbody, right? This is a group of people that are mostly local in Chicago, not necessarily all of them. They're pretty much all women. We're all different sizes, shapes, what have you. I never get the sort of, which is really funny considering what these programs are were originally designed for, I never get diet culture push from this group. And I never get flack about food restrictions or any of that. Or if, it, you know, if I'm looking at a particular program and sometimes they come with nutritional uh components yeah um which they've also been evolving over time which i really appreciate they're starting to add more things that may be higher fat content but have more nutritional value and saying that those are legitimate and i i think it's fantastic Fat is good for your body fat is so good for your body and they're recognizing that and they're adding it to their programs right Right. they've got the whatever new science raised in a fat-free era that screwed all of our bodies screwed all of us we all ate so much sugar and so little and fat. so little fat, and it really should have been the opposite. Right. So that that culture is, they are evolving and they are changing with the times, which I really appreciate. And I just found it so fascinating that where I was getting the most flack was from the people that I thought we should be accepting each other as we are, and not from these other people that everyone else vilifies. You know, right. does that I, make sense? Totally. I think, you know, I mean, and... Like, who am I? I am but a mere speck. But <laughs> I, I would... 
when I can speak for myself, when you have grown up and been critiqued and critiqued and critiqued for your choices, even if someone is doing it with the best of intentionality, it's hard not to take it that way. Yeah. And I think it's also hard because the internet is not a great place for real conversations. Oh, it's so not. Right? It's so bad. Uh, there's the wall of, even if someone knows your name, there's still like a, a, a an element of anonymity there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's just hard when you have an intensive reaction because of a collective trauma yeah. of how fat people are treated in general. Right. And then it's it's hard, even if it's not about them, right? Like, it's not about an individual. Yeah. It's, like, it's about how I individually feel. Right. I'm never, I'm never not, like, I know I'm always going to be fat, and I'm never actively, I actually, I won't get on scales. I won't mm -hmm. let people, I went to the doctor today, and they, like, tried to put me on scales. Like, I don't do that. Let's keep walking. I've, like, literally <laughs> just said no. Like, and that's just, it's my right to say I will not get on that scale. Absolutely. That number, unless you need to put me on a medication that is weight-based. Right. You that number is arbitrary. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Uh, I won't let people at gyms put me on scales. I won't, I just won't let, I just tell them no. My right? doctor never puts me on a scale. Based. I think we just all need to learn how to say the word no. Yes. Like, like, nope, that's not what that's about. Nope, nope, that's, I don't, I don't need to do that. Nope, I don't, like, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I don't know. I think the, the word no automatically has a negative connotation to it instead mm -hmm. of uh, reframing it to be a positive word. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, no, I'm not going to do that because that actually won't do anything good for that me. That doesn't serve me in right. any way. Yeah. Right. No, I, I totally get it. I totally get that. And I think... This has been fascinating. This is so fascinating. Um, on that note, talking about food, I always like to do this segment um, at the end of my episodes, Jesse, called What's in Your Pie Hole? Because at the end of the day, I am a foodie and I do love food. I use it as much as I can to nourish my body and give my body what it needs so that I can, you know, have an able body and, and do, do the things that I need to do to the best of my abilities. That being said, I fucking love food. So, <laughs> I want to know what is in your pie hole. What is your current food obsession? You know, I have, I, I was going to, well, two things. So, okay. A, I was going to give you what's in my pie hole slash my, my like, autumnal food obsession. Yes. Because I know this is dropping. Yes, yes. So, like, I, I was like, I know what I want to talk about when it comes to, like, what's in my pie hole. Because once fall hits, my favorite thing to do is to roast a pork belly, like a slow, uh, like low and slow pork belly, right? That's like me drooling, by the way. Dry rubs and like a little bit of wine, like two hours in. Mm -hmm. And then to turn that pork belly into a butternut squash and apple hash. Ooh. And that is my... Perfect yes. autumnal breakfast, right? That's amazing. Uh, but currently, I, so like I said, I was in Denver, and I went to this place that was around the corner from where my friend lives, and I had bacon fried rice. Ooh. It was a breakfast rice dish where it's rice, tamari, scallions, uh, 
bacon and then have like a perfectly soft boiled split in half egg on top mm, of it. Yum. And that has been my food obsession. Like that, like I'm going back <laughs> two weeks and I'm like, oh, that's my first stop. Uh, I will get off the plane. That's where I'm going. I will go to one fold and then I will go to my friend Marissa's. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't know that I actually, this is really weird. I don't really have one right now. I, I was uh, battling a head cold for a little bit, and for some reason, sometimes when I get a head cold, I'm just not hungry, which is the weirdest thing to me because, like, normally, like, missing a meal is not an option. Right. Like, that's not a thing. I don't forget to eat. It doesn't happen. <laughs> like, that's that's not a thing in my world. But with it so hot out, um, it's I hard really, to cook. It's hard to cook. I'll do it, but I really love a big salad with like. I had one at work the other day that I had put, um, we, I do all the pickling in house there at the shop and it had pickled beets on it and goat cheese and red onions. And then I made this, um, honey sage vinaigrette that yes. I put on top of that yes, sage that was that. just picked from the garden down the street. Yes. Um, what else did I put in it? I think I chopped up some turkey and put that on top and it just was like everything I needed in that moment. Like my body was like, yes, yes, this is, this is everything. Yes. This is everything right now. And that vinaigrette was pretty good. I will say if, if I have one superpower, it is sauces, sauces and dressings. I can think of it. I put it in a blender or whatever. I make it happen. Just like make shit up. And it's always good. I mean, I have watched enough Top Chef and enough Chop to know that is the mark of a truly good chef. <laughs> well, that's what you. they all say. Thank so, you. Well, there we go. There we go. You are you are a gifted friend. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, uh, and thank you so much for being on my podcast. Uh, of course. This I was, can't wait for this you to be on ours. Oh, this was an awesome conversation. We will just continue it on yours. Yes. And then we'll make sure that we'll in be life, cool. In friendship. Yes. All the time. Awesome. <laughs> thank you so much, friend. You're uh, awesome. Of course. Bye, world! <laughs>